Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you with us. I'm Cassidy, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host Dudes. Hey guys! This week we are concluding our foray into the Tomb Raider franchise, and we are talking about the final installment in the reboot series, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think this game came out when? In 2017? I think 2017 is right. I think? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it's like, it's been out for a bit. It's, um kind of an older game sort of <laughs> at least as of our recording this mm-hmm. um, it's it's an older game um but i don't know i i had a lot of fun playing it despite yeah. some gripes about certain things <laughs> we'll talk about all of that i think yeah. this is, i think our gripes with this game are kind of similar to another game from another franchise but we'll talk about that uh in a little bit but yeah yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a really, I don't know, I, I actually did enjoy it, even though it's probably the game I've played the least in the franchise. True. Um, I've definitely played Rise the most, and I've yes. played the first game a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game I haven't played as much, but it's still, it's a lot of fun, and I think it's a, it's a really good conclusion to Lara's arc, at least in my opinion. <laughs> um, and No, um, that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just, it's a fun game that I enjoyed it for the most part um i think that there there were some tweaks that they made to like the gameplay and then the mechanics oh, yeah. stuff that was different than the previous entries had been so that was really yep. interesting getting used mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. but overall i think it was like a pretty solid finale if you will for like this trilogy um Agreed. so yeah we're gonna get into all of that and more potentially <laughs> If anybody could manage to stick with us rambling. Um, but before we do, as always, just our usual spoiler warning slash disclaimer. Um, even though this game came out a while ago, we are getting into everything. And so for yep. anybody who's not familiar with either this reboot trilogy or maybe even the character and or franchise in general, mm-hmm. uh, just be aware that we are getting into spoilery territory. So um, listener discretion is advised, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. And once again, like Cass said, we are so thankful for you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to us nerd out about stuff like this. So once again, thank you so much. And with that, Cass, let's take it away. Because like you said, this is a a sort of a conclusion to Lara's arc, in a way. And... um. I we and it it does it in a very it does it very in a very cool way to be honest. I really loved it, but I want to talk about all of that. But let's talk about where this starts because we know that Lara's a restless person. She's not someone who sits in one place uh, when she could be out there doing something so that's the kind of person that she is and that's what she's doing so let's talk about where she is uh in the beginning of, of this game and how uh, how it kickstarts everything that uh, happens here yeah i think the the game actually picks up fairly quickly mm-hmm. or fa- like fairly soon after the events of the second game rise of the Rise, yeah, and so at the end mm-hmm. of that game uh the one of the final scenes we see is a map with Central America, specifically Mexico, I think, or like the mm-hmm. Yucatan Peninsula circled. Yep. And so it's kind of hinting that like the next game, which is Shadow mm-hmm. of the Tomb Raider, would take place somewhere in Central America and or the Yucatan. And so, of course, mm-hmm. that's where we kind of 
rejoin Lara for this. Yep, they're in Mexico adventure. at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think specifically Cosmo, and um, she and Jonah are uh, tracking down Trinity operatives, and they've been taking down Trinity cells and things yep. like that, all while following this mystery. And obviously, you know, the Trinity was like the big kind of entity in the background in Rise, and then of course Lara's main adversary, Constantine, and technically Anna, were both Trinity operatives who are mm-hmm. um, fairly high up in the Trinity hierarchy, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, but they were not the ones calling the shots. Yep. And so after dealing with them, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she's trying to find out who like the person in charge of Trinity is and who's the one who's like calling the shots and then planning all these things and so they're in mexico kind of doing a little bit of all of that mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> um, but it, it's a really cool setting um mm-hmm. when you start the game i mean the game starts in typical tomb raider fashion at least with this iteration of lara i mean she's always getting into like some Trouble. scrapes and it literally starts with like her and jonah in a plane and the plane like falling apart literally <laughs> yeah and, the, and and yeah yeah it's just, I don't know, it's something about that is just like so That's how it starts, Laura. but then there's a flashback to what happened <laughs> and how they got there, which is why right. they, which is how we get to Mexico. Um, um I want to point out the uh, the ambience here. Um uh, you know, because I loved I think is it Dia de los Muertos? Yes, it is. Right? Because I believe so. Because the decorations and the masks and everything was pretty cool, actually, uh, when they were in Mexico. So, yeah. So I figured, yeah, it was the other... I, I figured it must have been the other Los Muertos uh, for all of this, uh, for that setting. And I, I want to talk about the mechanics here a little bit. Because I don't think up until this game, Tomb Raider had anything like tailing somebody. But this did. So let's talk about that. Yeah, it definitely felt very, like, almost Assassin's Creed-like right? when you had to tail people. Yeah. Um, but I did appreciate it because I think the thing, too, is Lara, at least in the two previous games we've seen her, she hasn't spent a lot of time in, like, city cities. No, 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 exactly. Cozumel is, is probably as close to, like, a modern city as she was going to get in that area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there were people around, or at least more people than there had ever been in any of the other regions the games had visited. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not a simple, obviously in any setting, but it's certainly a setting with like that many people mm-hmm. to go in just like guns blazing and like, yeah. <laughs> just take down a bunch of like Trinity goons or whatever. So yeah. I think it like the stealth. That happens did, later, did, guys. Don't <laughs> worry. It happens later, but not right now. That, that's all we're saying. Okay. Yeah. Continue, please. I think I think like that sort of like style or like that mechanic mm-hmm. of having to tail people worked well when you were in more crowded regions. And I think yeah. even some of like the more um historical locations that you would visit in this game or mm-hmm. like I don't even know what to describe. They were them, kind of, but I, like, mm-hmm. I feel like they were probably some of the densest locations that Lara had been in in any of the games. Yes, because I, mean, I agree with you. Game, yeah. Yamatai was just like there weren't that many an people. Island. And the people you it was an island, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and the people you did encounter were like, you know, cultists, maniacs. <laughs> so like, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't it wasn't like it was swarming with people, and it was mm-hmm. just like if you washed up there by chance, you would be there, but. Um, and even in the second game, like, yeah, I mean, maybe you could say that the Geothermal Valley in, like, near Katesh had, like, enough people, but even then, it was pretty sparsely populated, and they were mm-hmm. covering, like, a 
fairly large area and it was just mm-hmm. you know like this ragtag group of villagers and then over the course of the game a bunch of them die anyway so <laughs> unfortunately um, but yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's like n- they're not they're not there in droves unfortunately um but in this game i mean most of the locations that you visit where you know people live there's a decent amount of like npcs just in the background mm-hmm. and so i think it kind of required a little bit more stealth than probably the other two previous games and also not just with like the good guys but like even the trinity operatives that you see in the, in this game i think there were probably a lot more trinity operatives so lara had to be a lot more stealthy than she had to in previous games especially and, because um, of her and her entanglement or her dealings with constantine and his <laughs> trinity cell and the fact that she and jonah have been taking down trinity cells um recently so maybe that's gotten right. their attention and they're like wary or something like that too <laughs> oh i'm and sure it, it has i mean there's we'll probably get into it a little bit later but there's mm-hmm. a character who features in this game who was only in the end of rise and he basically his only function really was to shoot he was a sniper mm-hmm. um and he has a like he reveals that his he was technically supposed to shoot lara but he didn't because he had orders not to um but um i'm sure that if he if lara was on their radars in that game she's certainly on the radars in this game but also i think because in this game she's dealing with literally like the top brass of trinity i think there's more um uh, military presence uh, or like more trinity presence anyway so i think mm-hmm. she has to be stealthier regardless yeah. because yeah. now she's on the radar and now also she's going straight for the head honcho so like he's gonna have security he's gonna have like his people just doing things for him anyway and yeah. if he's involved you know there's probably gonna be like a, a good chunk of the trinity like workforce or whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. uh out doing whatever for him yeah so, um, yeah, I think that the stealth, it took a little bit of getting used to, but I think also, like, this game, probably more so than the others, warranted having, like, a stealth mechanic or a stealth feature. Agreed. And mm-hmm. it kind of works out well, I actually. I wasn't fully sold on it when I saw mm. it in, like, the pregame stuff. Right? <laughs> but yeah. once I got my hands on the game, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. And it didn't, mm-hmm. it actually, for me personally, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it was going to. Agreed. Um, I definitely agree. But again, uh, I love how the story came together in this uh, in this game, to be honest with you, because there's so many cool things about this, because while they're tailing this guy, uh, a doctor, uh, someone named Dr. Dominguez, um, <laughs> she's been, and, and the funny thing is, uh, let's, <laughs> even in Mexico, this this idiot girl has been chasing after uh clues which is fine which is why we love her by the way it's fine but the place is crumbling down that she's still waiting there to take a picture and jonah's the only one who's like dude let's get out of here you're you're gonna die so you know what you can't do this kind of thing but that's how and uh and and i love how lara puts two and two together and is like what if the what if they're looking for this in the wrong place? Because, and I love that I love the explanation that they give because it's really cool. Because stars look to you the way they did all those years ago, depending on how far away they are from Earth. So and and back then, 
basically navigation was dependent on you knowing the constellations and basically following the constellations to get to where you want to go. And that's how the map they had was needed to be deciphered. And I love how Lara's like, because of all of this, they've been looking in the wrong place. They, not, they it, we shouldn't be going anywhere near anywhere near Brazil where everyone else is going. We should be going to Peru, uh, which is like pretty cool. What did you think of all of that? Because I love how all of that came together. To be honest, I did too. Yeah, it's definitely I think one of like the I guess nerdier sides to Lara in the sense right? like you do see her like I mean obviously you know she has studied to be an archaeologist. Mm -hmm. She's got that background. Mm -hmm. Her father was into it, mm -hmm. and you know she's been on expeditions her whole life. It seems mm -hmm. with him and then by herself and and all mm -hmm. of that. But um, it was really cool to kind of just see her just like sit in one place and look at things figured out yeah. without being like shot at or like falling into booby traps or anything right? <laughs> but also um oh i did God, love that scene yes. of her trying to explain to jonah about i think it's called a uh, procession where it's like the stars yes. are in they change positions over time and mm -hmm. so where the stars because, are for us is because not where the they earth are. is turning on its own axis as well exactly yeah right all so, of those things yeah, for the ancients, the stars were in a different position, and for the purposes of finding what they need to find, it matters. And so I love how she, like you said, broke it down and was like, we need to go to Peru, and Trinity's mm -hmm. hopefully going to Brazil. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, it, great, you know, like, nothing can go wrong. Yet, I mean, like, they clearly have a lead. It seems like Trinity's off on, like, a wild goose chase. And so mm -hmm. it's like, maybe they can get a head start, unfortunately. Maybe they can um, get lucky, oh, you poor... You you sweet summer child, no. Just I know. no. I'm sorry, Lara. I know. She she I, I think she would have deserved She tried. It. A for effort. Yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. But um that that scene with just her and Jonah like kind of pouring over maps and then Laura breaking things down was really I don't know it, it was just I thought it was really sweet and again just nice to see her do that in a setting where her life wasn't in danger mm -hmm. but having said that like you also mentioned like literally the scene before is Laura and Jonah escaping from a set of ruins um and and like I don't know it just I found it so funny that this time she's like taking pictures and stuff mm -hmm. and like she's there until the last minute and then Jonah has to like forcibly remove her <laughs> yeah there's like a, that really um funny I, I found a funny line where she's like if you hadn't pulled me out of there I would have still been inside taking pictures and Jonah's like you would have been inside sure I don't know if you would have been doing anything <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. but okay but Jonah come on Jonah's so wholesome okay he's a, he is he's very wholesome do you remember when this game came out and I think there was a rumor that I think before the trailer had released and before mm -hmm. we got like any actual footage mm -hmm. i think there was a rumor that potentially reyes was going to appear in this game and oh. i remember both of us just being so upset being like yeah. no absolutely not they should not put reyes in this game exactly reyes <laughs> we have we have strong opinions about reyes i think we made that very clear when we talked about the first game guys but like, yeah yeah mm -hmm. i just Jonah is so wholesome so to me it was like a no-brainer also he had been in Rise and so it's like and there was like really almost like no mention within the actual like game or the dialogue yeah. in Rise of 
Reyes or anything that happened on Yamatai. I think she might have been mentioned in like some collectibles, like documents or something. Well, that's but, another um... can of worms that we will talk about later, <laughs> probably at some point. I, I yeah, I but it's just like it. It just logically or. I mean, not logically, but I guess, like, plot-wise, it wouldn't make a ton of sense to, like, just ignore her and then all of a sudden bring her in. So I was actually glad that they didn't bring Reyes in. Um, and again, Jonah, like you said, is such a wholesome character. He was there in Rise. He's been with her since the beginning, and it just made sense to keep him. So I was really glad that he was in this game again. Um, also, just, like, logistically, I don't know how, because, like, Jonah was bear with Lara for everything through Rise. Like he obviously knew enough about Trinity, knew what they were after, knew what Lara had gone through, had mm. gone through it himself kind of. Yeah. So it's like he was a better person or I think he would be able to better understand what they or, needed to do. And also I think he's the only one who can basically talk some sense into this woman in some cases. You know, yeah. like not that not that she's she's not dumb. Lara's Laura's pretty smart. She there's a scene which I'm sure we'll get to in a little Mm -hmm. bit, but there's a scene that really kind of reminded me of another character in another show that we really, really love. Mm -hmm. And I think he like Lara is the type of person that like needs to be doing something just to feel like she's Mm -hmm. useful. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly which scene you're talking about. You can kind of like get through to her and be like take it easy you don't need to do this like you don't need to go 100 miles per hour all at once yeah. and i don't think anybody else could quite do that exactly the way he does um, i know exactly what scene you're talking about we'll get to it in a bit i i agree with you there so uh while they're doing while they're doing all this and telling dr dominguez they do end up in a ruin uh and she does end up finding a dagger um the dagger of shakshel i think yeah exactly yeah it's the dagger and the box okay we'll talk about that because there's two (laughs) artifacts here that she's after uh that she ends up going after one is this dagger um and the problem is um in taking this dagger she starts a sort of cataclysmic event um but and then and then Dominguez actually comes there and blames her for it mm-hmm. and I'm like I, I want to talk about that a little bit because who are you to blame her what would you have done left it in its place like I don't think you would have left it in its place so who are you to tell this woman that she's responsible for all these cataclysms now you would have caused it too just by taking it as well like I, I don't understand yeah, I have a couple of questions about that because mm-hmm. one of the things with that scene that I always found kind of weird was like, yeah, Dominguez coming in blaming her on, on the surface. It's like, yeah, okay, kind of. I can see how you can make a case for that because, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, she did go in and she did just take the dagger. But yeah. also, like you said, what would anybody else have done? I mean, if it was a, a choice between letting Trinity get the dagger or not letting them get the dagger, I feel like mm-hmm. most people would have, like, their instinct would have been to take mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. the other thing, too, is Dominguez makes the big show of, like, oh, you just took it. And then he says, he starts asking Lara for the box of Ishel, which is, like, the counterpart or, like, mm-hmm. the other piece of the puzzle. Piece of this. Whatever you yeah, want to call exactly. it. It's, it's another artifact that is required for Trinity's nefarious plan or whatever yeah exactly yeah and it's something else that laura needs to 
get but the thing is when Lara gets the dagger she doesn't know that she needs the box first exactly. and so when Dominguez realizes that she doesn't have it then he starts getting all like upset and angry like oh you just took it you didn't even know and it's like yeah if it's I'm maybe Lara should have looked harder I don't discount that but it's also like if that information is not readily available I feel like it's really hard to blame people mm-hmm. um even if it is you know technically like a white woman coming in and taking it not to like I excuse kind of that get what but you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah it is a little it's not gonna the lie the other thing too yeah. though is like so he like he starts talking about this thing called the cleansing which is like the series of like natural disasters that's now going to hit the region because Lara took this dagger yeah. and it's like I think there's like a tsunami a storm um a, a, a volcanic and, eruption and stuff like yeah, that yeah the volcano is the last one i believe yeah, so it's exactly. like a, an earthquake mm-hmm. and um, a volcanic yes, yes, eruption yes. is the last one yes. but my thing is like those are also like things that just happen in the world anyway mm-hmm. and if this is a particularly like volatile region mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff could happen anyway like it's not uncommon for like river to like flood mm-hmm. and then just like wipe out it's not uncommon for like severe storms to pass through regions or for like any particularly mountainous region to you know or like any region that lies along like tectonic plates or faults or whatever to be prone to earthquakes so it's like without really knowing the specific geography of where they are i feel like it's kind of hard to say but i also feel like potentially like anyone could have happened anyways like because like right like even in the real world like right now we talk about all sorts of things like um one of the big things is like there's supposedly a super volcano like underneath like national park or something in the u.s Mm. i don't know Mm -hmm. and like they talk about that they talk about yellowstone yeah yeah yellowstone probably i think that's the one actually (laughs) and like those are things that we all know about that's going to happen so my question is like did the ancients or whatever indigenous people were around centuries before dominguez and lara did observe certain patterns find out something and realize that hey at a certain time this entire region is going to be prone to all these natural disasters and they describe as a cleansing and now dominguez is coming in and learning this all on lara because it's convenient for him to do so fair point it's very possible Uh, that's i think that's what they want i think he wants someone to blame for all the stupid stuff that he's going to do i think and my other question too would have been like if what if he had gotten to the dagger first he could have taken it himself just assuming that lara had the box like i could see that happening so it's like Mm -hmm. like kind of like you said why are you blaming her right away without really stopping to like you know confirm like Mm -hmm. and also the other thing too that kind of just annoyed me about that is like if you knew this was going to be such a big deal why Mm -hmm. the hell didn't you just tell her like you were you had people who had like their eyes out for her i'm exactly sure all the trinity operatives you could have caught her and like by the time she goes to get the dagger they've already caught up with her so mm-hmm. like there's i i feel like it, it it's just kind of weird that like he doesn't at any point try to stop her until after she has the dagger and i think exactly. that's because he made the mistake of thinking she had the box of isha as well mm-hmm. and she doesn't have the box but it's like maybe you should have done your due diligence and confirmed all of that anyway <laughs> because like but I have a feeling that he already probably knew because he had eyes on Lara. He's been keeping tabs on this woman for quite some time now. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, it, yeah. it's it's a weird situation because it's like if he's been keeping tabs on her, he should know she doesn't have the box. Yeah. So you would think it would be in his best interest, too, to warn her, like, 
don't do anything with the dagger just yet because it's going to cause all this like it's going to cause all these natural disasters Mm -hmm. but he doesn't even like give her that warning whether or not lara would have believed him i think is a completely different story but it's also kind of a moot point because of everything that happens Mm -hmm. but it's just i found it really weird that like he had assuming that they've been keeping tabs on her like you said they never like nobody ever warns her or attempts to stop her until after she takes the dagger and like they all just assume that she has the box because she's just gotten in and she's made it as far as the dagger when others have struggled so much and like she's get there yeah exactly yeah she's like solved all these things she's gotten there so they're like oh yeah she has it like we'll just let her do all the work and we'll like pick up the like loot when she's done but it's like did nobody stop to like ask her if she had the box that could potentially like avert this cataclysm but they all just assume that like oh she's she knows what she's doing or like she must have it because she's made it this far and it's like okay yeah. <laughs> i mean i don't know i just i have i have a lot of questions about that scene but um i don't know that i'll ever have any answers <laughs> no i don't think there is any proper answer to that because well, like, Lara didn't have all the information, and even though Dominguez did, he made an assumption that basically bit him in the ass, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but the yeah. cataclysm does happen. I think uh, this place suffers with a, from a flood, like a huge <laughs> flooding. And this is the scene that you discussed earlier. I know exactly why, because I completely agree with you. Because it because it wipes out a lot of people and it's 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 crazy and uh, the city uh, the city that they're in has been flooded people are uh distraught and basically just you know homeless and things are not good it's it's a mess right now and then jonah's is sitting there standing there and being like we have to help these people and then lara's like no, we have to go after the box. I'm the only one who can. And this is when Jonah comes in and is like, you're the only one who can what? We have to help these people now. You can't, we can't just go after something after something like this. So like, let's talk about that. Because again, she has this complex here. And not that she... I, 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 I can't say that she's wrong. She's, she's, she would decipher it. She will end up deciphering these clues and getting to the bottom of all of this. Yes. But it's also something, there's also some, there's also a point to Jonah saying, hey, we have to focus on what's going on here now instead of all of that, all of what could happen later. So let's talk about all of that because I I this again one of my, it's a really cool scene just saying yeah it, it's a really intense scene and yeah I mean I think I don't know that I was referring to like one specific scene I think it was just a combination of scenes this was definitely yeah. one of them but um yeah I think Lara does have this complex of I think like doing everything she can fixing everything herself mm. going as hard and as far as she can just to like prevent Trinity from gaining the upper hand mm-hmm. and I think after watching like there's that initial um like bit when Dominguez first tells her like 
the cleansing is coming and like all these natural disasters are going to happen and it's all your fault and then he's like i have to like now it falls to me to clean up the mess you made or whatever and i think that kind of makes laura feel a little bit guilty because i think she's definitely like done this sort of thing before where she's gone into places and she's like taken artifacts but i don't think she ever went into it with the mentality of like this could potentially have serious ramifications because for her in previous instances it was like if she didn't take certain things it was going to be used by maniacs whether it was like solari brotherhood or like constantine and his battalion of trinity crazy yeah yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) it's like yes she technically has gone into places and taken things before but Mm -hmm. it was always sort of with the intention of making sure that trinity does not get their hands on it and using it to like save you know whether it's like katesh or the like the resistance and like their people and and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, but this is I think the first time where she's just taking something without kind of being fully aware of what the consequences would be Mm. and so when Dominguez is like oh now you made a mess and I have to clean it up I think she's like at first like you do see well that comes later but at first she's like you're lying like there's no way and then he's like oh no now I have to go clean up your mess so have fun and then when she starts seeing that like you know the flood has come and it has wiped out then i think the guilt sets in and then she's like she has there's that really intense scene where she's like i have to go i have to stop them and jonah's like no we're gonna help these people now and then i'll find a plane to get us out of here but like we need to help them now and i think it's such a difficult position to be in because they're both technically right i mean the people on the ground need probably immediate relief but also Lara's not wrong when she says the best way to help them would be to stop Trinity because if they can stop Trinity, they can prevent other natural disasters from happening. Exactly. And they can prevent probably countless more lives from being lost. Yes. Um, so it's it's a very like it's a catch to any two. Thing. Yeah, yeah really I is. agree. It's yeah. so like difficult to like mm-hmm. figure out like what you would do. But I think Lara is kind of like she doesn't really have a lot of options at this point because Mm. I don't think for her like going without Jonah or leaving him behind is an option and he's made it pretty clear that like um he's he's gonna stay and he's gonna help these people yeah and then when they've provided enough aid or maybe Mm. you know offered some immediate relief to then people, we'll find then a plane go. and go exactly yeah and I kind of and then this is what I meant when Jonah's the best person to get through to her at times like this. This is what I mean. Because she does take a moment and she's like, okay, fine. Because I feel like Jonah's the kind of person that nobody can be mad at. I don't. <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, so, so she's like, you know what? Fine, man. I mean, fine and i love how they talk they they even after all of this this is intense they almost it's almost i wouldn't say it's a blowout but it almost is you know it's almost a blowout between them but then even after this they sit down after they've helped these people and they're talking about this and then and then lara explains that this is what we have to do this is this is i think this is where we have to go and then Jonah's just like, okay, fine. We'll get the we'll we'll go to Peru. We'll go to that. We'll get we'll uh, I think it's a place called what is that? Kuakiaku, I think. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's like, where they end up. 
Yeah, so that, that that's why uh so he's like, okay, we'll go there, we'll start start looking for clues and we'll see what we can find. Basically. And that and then unfortunately on their way to Peru or Kuakeku, eh, the plane <laughs> the plane crash lands. When does anything go well for this child? <laughs> Never. But I think I, I do just have to say I find it impressive that her track record is like what over three on planes. Right. It's every game she's fallen off out Plains of the plane. Three, at some Lara point. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> I just yeah. that that must be like some sort of record. I don't know. Mm. I feel like falling out of a plane once or like having it like explode on you or whatever is like mm. one thing, but um yeah, all three games, man. This poor woman cannot catch a yeah. break. But um, I don't think it would be a Tomb Raider game if she could. <laughs> no, I agree with you there. It's kind of funny. But when you mentioned our track record, the poor child, she keeps giving us heart attacks. Like, Oh, I mean, my God, like, I know. I mean, like, the thing that always amazes me is like, and I, I, I don't know if we mentioned this in the other episodes that we did with this franchise but it's like she goes through so much and she comes out like battered and bruised mm-hmm. but like this game especially like she falls out of a plane and then like she gets attacked by like jaguars she's like constantly like falling off a thing and like diving into like god knows what like and it's like how is she not just like a receptacle for like every disease on the planet right how does she not have all these infections and how is she not dead yet? And like, yeah, I know it's a game and suspension of belief suspension and all that. Suspension of belief is um, a thing, guys, because yeah. this, yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> dude, if you got into those crepes, you would have, pro- um, I would have probably died in like two seconds. Like, well, let's be real. If, if I was in her position, I'd be like, no, I'm just staying at home. Mm-hmm. somebody else can stop Trudy. i'd be too chicken to probably mm-hmm. do like Agreed. a quarter of the things she's done but like yeah. she's out there fighting like this game has like eels too in underwater like you have to fight eels yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like jaguars that are like a pain in the butt to like try and fight um and like oh, oh my, my god. god there's the so jaguar many things encounter. so i want to talk about a few things because this is a staple for any tomb raider game making weapons out of scraps it's a staple mm-hmm. for any Tomb Raider game, guys. And that's what she does. She finds the plane's uh, the uh, crash site for the plane. She finds the pilot, but also mauled and almost eaten by mm-hmm. a jaguar. Um, So there it is. First jaguar encounter. But then she also finds Joan. Uh, she, fi- the, she basically manages to shoo the jaguar off with a few warning shots this time i think and she killed uh, it so that's the craziness about the jaguar two, fight yeah there's two for your first encounter mm. and she kills one the second mm. one just kind of i think because the first one dies on top of her and she's like covered in mud i think the second one smells like the dead one oh, on yeah, her, so you're right her about that. Um, but she she narrowly avoids the second one. But the mm-hmm. thing is, this game, the, the one thing I did appreciate, or I thought I appreciated at first, and then I was like, quickly, 
disappointed with i thought the game was gonna let us keep the weapons that she had because when you start the game laura has Mm -hmm. uh, even if you don't have access to like her full arsenal from the previous game Mm -hmm. she's got like her bow and arrow she's got her pistol her climbing climbing she's got all her um, stuff and when you when the plane crash lands um she is able to retrieve her bow and arrow arrow, Um, yeah yeah. and so i remember thinking like this is great like i don't have to make the bow i don't have to wait like six hours to get the pistol or like the rifle maybe Mm. i'll find it in like 15 minutes but no the first jaguar encounter you literally only have your bow and arrow and those things are a crudely made knife from the plains from yeah it's a crude made. yeah i think it's like part of the plane yeah Yeah, from like one of the rotors or like uh, i don't know it's Mm -hmm. essentially like a piece of shrapnel that Mm -hmm. is sharp enough to be considered a dagger Mm -hmm. but um yeah it was just i mean at at least we got the bone arrow we didn't have to make that again because i think if we had to make it again Mm -hmm. those jaguars would have been eating (laughs) well before i even like was able to take a shot (laughs) Mm -hmm. agreed but yeah, but she, she we, has to fight yeah. two the first time. And yep. that no, was uh, an encounter. First, yeah, that's true. But then we find Jonah. Which, again, <laughs> brings me to one of the funniest scenes in this game, to be honest. It's hilarious, actually. Because poor Jonah has been infected by a parasite in one of his arms. Is it his right or left? Not that it's important. Left, I think. But I, mean, I don't really but, know that it matters. But... um. Lara offers to take it out and uh, and while she's doing that she basically tells Jonah hey distract yourself tell me a story and he does tell her a story and then she see she gets the parasite on and like we should name it and then Jonah suggests Eli and then I love how uh, Lara's just smiling and she looks at this parasite and like goodbye Eli done what (laughs) it's hilarious it's it's kind of funny i i I don't know i just found it no i mean i think it's definitely a lighter moment in the game it's Mm -hmm. there's a lot so i think they definitely some kind of like humor (laughs) about Mm -hmm. some of the stuff yeah that was such a minor one of the things i just loved about the scene was lara just gradually telling like jenna like sit down i'm just gonna cut a hole in your arm yeah and like take out this parasite and he's just like at first he's like really nervous and she's like no no it'll be fine and it's like maybe for you laura because you've like cauterized your own wounds and stuff before right but for jones like i was with him he sounds terrifying don't do that yeah oh my god i would be like you know what i'm I'm gonna die with this parasite inside me but no you're not gonna cut it out of me no no (laughs) Uh, but there it is but that's when the second jaguar encounter happens like mm-hmm. and because the other jaguar that you know you missed is basically coming in after you at this point and you have to fight that too which is like crazy it's it's a, it's a little bit insane oh, oh my god so but she keeps giving us heart attacks like just heart attacks mm-hmm. all the time Yeah, that second Jaguar fight was, like, insane because right? it's it's one Jaguar this time, so you don't have to worry about, like, 
like I don't know if it was like a jaguar pair or whatever but um you don't have to worry about two of them coming after you but mm-hmm. the one that does come after you it happens in like a pretty brutal way because I think like I think it's like Laura and Joan are trying to go under like a fallen tree yeah they are it's like lifted yeah. up the thing for him the, the jaguar grabs her from behind and he's literally like clawing into her back back yep doing any armor or anything she's just wearing like a tank i mean um it's 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 more than a tank but it's still cloth and like a jaguar's claws are gonna shred it oh um, god they do they they talk about it later but yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah but like that's the crazy part that like this thing is like on her back just like digging into her and somehow she still has the strength to like elbow it off of her and like fight it and kill it uh, but again it's just like watching that scene the first time i was like how are you able to walk woman because this thing has like ripped up her back and jonah comments on he's like oh that doesn't look so good and she's like oh i'll be all right and it's like no no you won't no you won't don't say that go to the hospital or something yeah i mean i know they were also it was a race against time and they probably Mm -hmm. weren't in a region where medical treatment was readily available Mm -hmm. but it was just like can you stop for one second laura but she won't. You know she no. won't. <laughs> oh God. She's crazy. She's she's <laughs> literally crazy. Uh in the best way. She's a menace, but she's a menace in the best possible way, to be honest. That's all I can say about her at this point. Um yeah, after the, the Jaguar attack, there's a really kind of like wholesome scene between Lara and Jonah when they've set up camp for the night. Yep. And I think we get a little bit more insight into why Lara's kind of just like go, go, go all the time. And she says, mm-hmm. like, she talks about how she feels like she always has to keep going, always has to keep pushing because mm-hmm. if she doesn't, she'll let everybody down. And I was like, that yep. sounds familiar. <laughs> oh. And <laughs> oh, God. yeah, it's very reminiscent of some other characters that we know and love. Um, but I think it, it, I think it really does kind of explain her like the motivation for why she does things in this game Mm -hmm. and why she does kind of probably push maybe more than she needs to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I think in this game, certainly probably more than the others, the stakes were higher than they've ever been. Yeah. Um, Especially I, I feel like. It, for all three games, like Yamatai probably had the lowest stakes because everything Which was. Which is weird like, to say, considering that was right? the most supernatural of all of these things, to be honest, yeah. right? That's but what I. I... Like beyond, beyond just like Yamatai, I feel like it wouldn't have really impacted the world much. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Constantine and Anna had succeeded, then yeah, the world, like was probably going to be impacted but this especially like dominguez wants the box because their trinity's whole goal is to to use make the world the, and right and there's their a image. little background so, on that right because yeah. the dagger because these entities and we'll get to these entities in a bit they forged the box and the dagger to uh, to be in, in to, for the for the god of destruction and creation in their universe, <laughs> basically, and that and basically this guy wants to perform a ritual that would basically allow this god of destruction and creation to do just that: destroy the world that is there now and create a new world in his own image or Trinity's image. 
that's what Dominguez wants to do. And that's something right. that Lara wants to avoid. So just a little bit of background there, guys. Continue. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just saying, like, the the stakes in this game, just it just feels so much higher yeah. than anything mm-hmm. the previous games put up. But again, like, the stakes in Rise were also considerably high because, yeah. again, like, the world was at risk if Constantine succeeded. So it's, um, yeah, it does feel a little bit weird to say that Yamatai had the lowest stakes in the three games. But looking mm-hmm. back, it's like, yeah, it wasn't that bad compared to the other two games. Unfortunately. That, that, again, <laughs> that's a weird yeah, thing to say, I mean, but you have to play it to believe it. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, when you're playing the first game, it's like, the stakes feel pretty high and it's right? like a matter of life and death. But it's like, again, I don't think the whole world was at risk. It was just mm. like the people marooned on Yamatai and if they didn't yeah. get off, then they were just going to die there but like the world would have still kept turning and like you know i'm sure the rest of the modern world would have been relatively unaffected but Mm -hmm. like in rise constantine and anna kind of wanted the divine source for kind of the same reason that dominguez wants the box and the dagger like they wanted to remake the world and Mm -hmm. you know i mean i think anna wanted it for slightly more selfish reasons because in a sense you know she was sick and she wanted to find a cure herself yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah Mm -hmm. but i think overall like she and constantine were doing this because they thought that they could you know rid the world of like evil and like illness and Mm -hmm. like greed (laughs) all these different vices and whatnot and and dominguez kind of wants the same thing but as we play the game we realize that like he says one thing but it really just means making like recreating the world in his own image and then that would exclude the people that he deems unworthy or whatever so it's like you know he's he's not just gonna like rid the world of like vices or whatever or like bad things he's just he'll he'll kill people if he needs to just to get what he wants and then once he has what he wants he'll probably kill more people to create like his perfect paradise or utopia so um yeah the stakes definitely felt higher in this game than they'd ever been and so it makes sense that lara pushes really hard to like go after trinity to stop them and that she's constantly like we need to go we need to go we need to go Mm -hmm. and then i'm sure for somebody like jonah who wants to help her but also probably wants to help the people like on the ground who are impacted yep. by what you're doing by what yep. mm-hmm. it's a very difficult position to be in i'm sure mm-hmm. so it makes the game interesting if nothing else no i definitely agree with you there uh but let's talk about what happens in kuakyaku because after the whole jaguar encounter and everything they do end up in um a remote location in peru which is again more densely populated like you said than most places she's been to again right so let's talk about who they meet and let's talk about lara lara being a little perceptive uh, i mean a perceptive little shit in a situation like this okay we can i I want to talk about that because i find that funny but let's talk about that yeah, they meet um when when they walk into Kwakiaku, it's um it, it's kind of like uh, it reminded me a lot of like the shanty town from mm-hmm. the first game, only mm-hmm. this actually had living people in it and it was yeah. a little bit more connected to the modern world. Yeah. But um they meet Abby who's one of the residents and at first she's kind of like suspicious because what would like a random white woman be doing in the woods <laughs> of like nowhere? Exactly. And um you know she's 
like asking all these questions like what are you doing where are you from mm. why are you here um and Lara's like kind of explaining but not giving her the full story yeah um but I love this scene there's a it's a really very it's like a really really brief moment mm-hmm. but there's a scene where Abby finally it's like all right you guys don't seem like you're like that suspicious so she invites them over for a drink and when they sit mm-hmm. down Laura's just like unclipping all her weapons <laughs> <laughs> yeah Abby I saw that out. they're just going like, like, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so that was just like it was a very brief scene but just made me chuckle um watching it but um abby is actually because she's a native i think uh, or like a local she has some insight mm-hmm. into some of the things that lara and joan are looking for mm-hmm. so she helps them with a clue and um lara goes to check out some ruins and um i think jonah is at first he's like i'll come with you and then lara is like you said perceptive and realizes mm-hmm. that joan and abby despite having just met seem to have this thing going on right <laughs> and um so she's like no, no no you stay here i'll go check it out i promise i won't like break anything or like go too mm-hmm. far or just hang tight and i'll be back <laughs> don't make promises you can't keep child yeah <laughs> Because here's the thing, she does end up breaking a few things when she's yeah. <laughs> in that temple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I want before before we get into that, I do want to talk about um a few things here because you mentioned um you mentioned Lara and um. Uh, Jonah's conversation the previous night before they came to before they reached Kuakyaku uh and I also love how uh Jonah was like everything I love about uh, everything I love about this world and is in here now and and that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing things are bad yeah but I wouldn't change it because everything I love about it is still here and then and then Lara has this very vivid dream of how things, how she was as a kid, treating crop manners an obstacle course, <laughs> really, which was fun. Which, which I love. I, I love that they made that a playable sequence for us. Not, not gonna lie, oh, it was too. pretty fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but again, even little Lara giving us heart attacks, but whatever um i um, i wish i had like a tenth of little Lara's fearlessness right but then but then you see memories of um basically richard and her mother and how how her mother was unhappy that richard was always away and and we also see Richard's final moments. That's not; those are not pleasant memories to keep with you, especially no. of your parents. Eh, kind of. Anyway, I mean, I think too. Like for Lara, she was so little when that happened. Mm-hmm. It's always tough losing a parent, but to lose like two pretty quickly, one after the other, is definitely difficult. And she was so young when that happened. I think it really just like. I'm sure there was probably some like grief and trauma that she had to work through that she probably didn't. Um, and um, I think you can kind of see like some of the um, 
impacts of that I think in this game because she still spends a lot of time being like I could have had a family like I could have had this I could have had that it was mm-hmm. stolen from me and it's true it was because um I mean it's not her fault her dad died and he died when he was relatively young and when she mm. was certainly young yeah. so it's like yeah all of that is true but I think also like Jonah says like everything that they love and care about in the world now is like is here like they wouldn't have that yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah they wouldn't have that if things had played out differently and if mm-hmm. different things had happened mm-hmm. so um it's it's a tough tough decision i think to, or it like a tough question to ask yourself like what would you do if you had the power of those artifacts and you could like control time or like like not so much control time but like bring back what you wanted most which in Lara's case it's just I think she just wanted her parents back um which yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. especially like I mean not to keep like belaboring the point but like at least for them like if Lara had her parents and if they had never died would she even have met Jonah like would she have still gone on like had the same adventures that she had and like gone through what she did and accomplished what she did if she didn't Mm -hmm. like if her parents had been alive and she just like spent a semi-normal life just like going to school then going on like archaeological expeditions with her parents and then exactly (laughs) It's, yeah, like you said, it's a very difficult question to ask. There's no right answer to that, is there? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Um, but yeah, it's, he finds this ruin and um, basically um, Trinity is already there, unfortunately. Right? So um, it, it, the, the whole thing they do. This is where Lara actually finds the clue about where the box was forged and where the legend is from, and all those things, which is why mm-hmm. now she's after the hidden city again, another hidden city. We don't know where it is, but we, but we basically know that that's where that's where the uh, box could be. That's where the clue is at this point, and the temple is already in ruins. But she goes through it. A while uh, to get past Trinity again, but then she sees something really strange as well because she meet uh, uh, because there is a commander there who is basically leader of the cell there, and I think Dominguez second in command, Commander Rourke, mm-hmm. um, and you you see you spot a couple of new people at this point taking out. Uh, people from Trinity's side as well. So let's talk about all of that because there's a lot going on here. There is, yeah. So the the new hidden city or like the new region mm-hmm. that we discover is Paititi, which is I think mm-hmm. like one of the fabled cities, if not yep. maybe the fabled city that was like in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, and you again, actually, it's a hidden city for a reason. Liken it to El Dorado um, or something, but yeah. Yeah, kind of. Actually, I don't know too much like about it. Like, I don't know if it mm. was really like a real region or if it mm-hmm. was like based off of other historical regions yeah, or I don't, I'm not sure locations. Either, yeah. I I'm not sure, but um, I think in the game it's kind of like that. It's like a hidden, <laughs> like the name suggests, a hidden city, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those places where it's been like kind of in a way like lost in time it's like been 
sequestered yep. from the modern world yep. and it doesn't have all the modern advancements and all of that but it's still like they're still like keeping up this way of life that must have been I don't know centuries Thousands old or whatever of years so, old. yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. so um it, it's very much like this little kind of like hidden pocket of the jungle that's just like doing what they've been doing for who knows how long mm-hmm. and um I, I think at first it, nobody's quite prepared for how important of a discovery this is mm. except maybe like Lara and Jonah but like I think as the game plays out then I think mm. everybody realizes that like oh my god this is like this is super huge. important and super yeah, yeah super integral to the story um for a number of reasons but mm-hmm. yeah I mean finding Paititi's like a, a, it, uh, like a semi big deal for the game both in terms of like its actual discovery and then for the plot mm-hmm. but um the people too are just um I think plot-wise are just really interesting. We meet um, Unaratu, who's like the leader of the citizens of Paititi, and they're mm-hmm. working against Trinity, um, or trying to stop Trinity. And they're definitely, they definitely gave me like assassin vibes. <laughs> it's like they just come in very silently and like they shoot down Trinity soldiers, and mm-hmm. um, they're very like quick and efficient, and they do kind of stick to the shadows. So they did yep. give me a little bit of that Assassin's Creed vibe, but um, they're you know they're they're not assassins they're they're different enough but um we just, they have their uh, own way of life that they're trying to protect right, that's all there is right. to it at this point but yeah mm-hmm. yeah and also i think beyond just like their own way of life like their land like trinity's gonna come in and do god knows what so they're yeah. like no we're, we're gonna fight for mm-hmm. you know our livelihood and and our you know our home and all of that so um it's it's like I don't know how to put this beyond saying it's like standard, I guess, for any mm-hmm. sort of um, invaded region, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But um, I think like even though they kind of, it kind of seems like, okay, these are people who are just fighting for their home, there's more to mm-hmm. it than that. And they actually become yep. very integral to the plot because was, they do. Their yeah. stories very closely tied with what Trinity wants. And, we'll and what Lara's looking for as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But um mm-hmm. as as just like a region to explore and play in it was actually a lot of fun there was yeah. a lot of new mechanics that i wasn't completely sure about when they announced the game but once i got my hands on it and like i said before <laughs> once i had time to like actually go in and like play it, i was like this is actually kind of cool i actually kind of like this like they had merchants and stuff uh one of my favorite features which was really kind of like a dumb feature that was considered but i love that lara could now just like pet llamas in the area that was sweet the funniest thing and i was like i love it it makes no sense game wise because you can't ride a llama they don't do anything to like further the plot but it's just like such a weird random it's thing a wholesome just... thing for lara it to is. do let her yeah. have this i know <laughs> and also because like in the previous games like yamatai there was like hardly any animals there was like rats mm-hmm. and then even in rise like you mainly encountered rats and any other animal you found was like probably trying to kill you if it was right animals. it was like yeah. you know snow leopards or like god knows what else yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um so this is like a llama was like a pretty wholesome animal that wasn't trying to kill you it might spit on you but it wasn't but trying that's to kill you. not lethal so it's like <laughs> right. well i mean maybe i feel like some would argue that maybe it is lethal 
uh, well, um, yeah, uh huh. I get what you're saying, but okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but but I, I loved that. But yeah, I mean, again, just like as a region to explore, it was also just like Paititi, which is like a very pretty region. It's very which, pretty. The landscape. You know, I, oh my God. Yeah. The first rice, shot like, you get of Paititi. Isn't that beautiful? I know. It's, it really is. Because like rice was very cinematic too and, and absolutely mm -hmm. gorgeous. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. But I think because you spend a lot of time in Siberia is very like there's a lot of like blues and like grays and it's like a very and snow yeah, like, yeah 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 it's like a colder palette if that makes any sense but yeah, no, that, because right. it was in the jungle it was like you know green and lush and just, like, the color scheme was like yeah yeah it was just different it was so Beautiful. vibrant and i loved it also i um, think there's a difference in the generation uh, as well like better graphics and more uh, a so more lightly, a different I engine think, i think I don't know about a different engine. I can't remember if that's the case, but I feel like Rise still has some of the best animations of any no, game I've ever seen. I agree. Seen. Yeah. And it came out in 2015. We talked about it. Yeah, yeah. we talked about like, this. Shadow, I think, did improve some stuff, and I think the cutscenes are still incredibly fluid in Shadow, mm -hmm. but some of the animations, I feel like, I don't know if it's just me or if it's like... I'm just imagining things, but I feel like some of the animations were like slightly clunkier mm. in this game compared to Rise. But again, I also just feel like Rise. I might end up so playing this again, that... but I'm not sure. But I'll look into it. <laughs> I mean, just like slightly. I think it was just like slightly. Like the cutscenes again were still incredibly cinematic, and like those looked like they were, you mm -hmm. know, that was like the same caliber as Rise. But like mm -hmm. the other stuff, like in some of, I think like the less animated cutscenes, if that makes any sense, it Lara just seemed to tad bit clunkier mm. um which is really not I, I don't say that as like a dig i mean it's like not, a, said, de it's not a deal breaker but you know yeah. i know what you i mean, mean to me it's yeah. like rise again like i said had some of the best graphics of any game i've seen mm -hmm. um like mm -hmm. to this day and um for shadow just to be like a tad under that is not a bad thing in my opinion it's just i felt like it was noticeable mm. but it may not have been it may have been the same exact thing and i just didn't maybe um, we like, yeah remember, guys remember, we're not experts okay we're oh just, no not at all yeah. but like it was like the minor things like i don't remember i remember in rise like anytime like lara turns her head her hair moves like it was, if it was like real natural hair yes but in this game i don't know that it did that i don't remember that it did that and mm. again that's like such a minor thing it's not like whether or not the hair moves when she turns her head is like you said a deal breaker but it's mm. just after having played rise it's just something that i was like oh that's different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um i mean again i think personally for for me that's such minor stuff because i like when you play the game you don't play it to see how like their hair moves it's like icing on the cake type thing uh or like you know fluff like if they add it great if they don't add it the game isn't gonna like suffer for it um yeah. it might just be like a little bit like visually when you see it, it might just be annoying for like a couple times but then you don't really spend a ton of time just like watching the way her hair moves or I don't anyway not enough for it to bother me that much um but anyway <laughs> back to our point Paititi is a very beautiful region it's, and it was so it much fun beautiful um exploring it and and I think that's something that like most AAA games do really well is for like mm. action adventure or like open world exploration or is usually RPGs. prioritized yeah and, mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's usually like a ton of fun to explore them and this game was no different so i liked that we got like another big hub to explore because after rise i was like i hope they don't go smaller in sense like i hope they don't cut back on the number of things 
they put into like each region because once you finish a story it's like what do you do right and so like i like going back and doing collectibles and side quests and stuff and um, if and you're so playing an assassin's creed game do all the sync points again they're beautiful Just... oh yeah <laughs> But, like, Red had some fun challenges and stuff, mm-hmm. and so, like, I liked things like that, so I was hoping that, like, they would include that in this game without, like the you know, kind of overdoing it. Like, the optional tomb challenges, it. those yeah, were fun. Yeah. I know what you're Although, I will say, the tombs in this game, to me, seemed, like, ridiculously hard compared to any mm-hmm. of the other games. Like, in the sense, like, the amount of work you had to do is, like, move this card to the left now, move it three things to the right, and, like, turn it this way, and it's, like, there were a good number of tombs where I was just, like, rage quitting. <laughs> My first I can understand was, that. Like, yeah. In Rise, I feel like most tombs I got like on the first go around, mm. and I was like, "Yeah, this is like tricky to do, but it's not impossible." In this game, I just mm. I don't know. Maybe I was just like really stupid when it comes to. <laughs> no, but I was like, I can't do any of these two. But yeah, let's talk about that because Unaratu is amazing. She is a fear. Uh, she's a fearless re- leader, and she's strong and brave and all those things a leader should be mm-hmm. um and she does reluctantly tell um uh tell lara about where she is because that's when they know that they're in paititi because she's like you're already here you're in paititi you're like <laughs> it's that moment you know <laughs> and then and then you find out uh, there's even there's an even bigger twist here that dr dominguez is from paititi basically and and to people in paititi he's known as amaru and people know him and people people listen to him and worship him despite uh unratu being there still so let's talk about all of that and the politics of it and how amaru is basically trying to manipulate the people of paititi yeah it's a very interesting um sort of reveal because when Unaratu first beats Lara mm-hmm. uh she is wary of her but then she she has Lara brought you know in I guess within the borders mm-hmm. of the hidden city and then she's like explaining like yeah you're in this place that like mm-hmm. people have looked for for who knows how for long ages, and it's a, it's yeah. a big mm-hmm. deal and mm-hmm. and all of that and it's it's really interesting because like she brings Lara in. Lara kind of makes her case for like why she's there and like what she's trying to do. Yeah. And Unaratu, you get the sense it's like not like Convinced. super sold. Yeah, mm. but she's still like, all right, fine, like we'll go with it. And then like once you see that like when that twist is revealed, where it's revealed that Dominguez is um, Amaru and he's from this region and mm. and he's you know, doing some sort of thing here Shady to, to try and convince the people. Yeah. Right. Like, to side with him over her. Lara's like, I know him as Dr. Dominguez, and I think we're, like, on the same side. We're trying to work for the same thing. And almost yeah. instantly, Unaratu's like, all right, great. We're best friends now. <laughs> um, right? I, I, I know. I found it really funny that at first it's, like, kind of not super trusting Who this Lara, bitch? but, like... Who this bitch? Sort of. And then, and then when she's, like, the Amaru needs to go, she's like, oh, my God, you're my bitch. <laughs> I mean, kind of. I mean, um, I, I'm putting it crudely, guys, for humor, but that's ex- that, that's pretty much what happens, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Mm. But yeah, so that's when she's like, "Okay, now, now we need to find the box. You need to find the box before he does, before they do." 
so that they don't remake the world uh, in their image. Because if they do, that's going to be like the end for us, our people kind of thing. Right. And I think um, too, like, Dominguez, like, was inciting, like, fear and like... He was. I guess. Um, he, he was like, in, in a way, also kind of like using force to like, mm -hmm. kind of rile up the people of PTT. So it was. was like, he needs to be stopped because even if the apocalypse sort of event doesn't kill them mm -hmm. hit like whatever sort of like you know divide he's like wedging between the people Would. of this yeah, region yeah yeah, yeah yeah i know what you so mean. it's like mm -hmm. at that point in the round two it's like he's gotta go but um the other thing that i have found really interesting too was that like she's got a personal stake in this beyond just it being like her people and like her mm -hmm. home and all of that uh she like reveals to Lara that Dominguez is her brother-in-law, and so yes, yes, uh, or her husband's brother. Is that brother-in-law? I can't remember. No, no, brother-in-law. That her um, husband. This was her husband's brother, basically. Right, mm -hmm. and um, it, it's like I, I think that too is probably like her husband obviously isn't alive, and so I think she's even more determined to stop him because she's mm -hmm. convinced like her husband would not want that, and all he wanted was just. You know, for Paititi to be like yeah. safe and like protected and mm -hmm. yeah, peace. Mm -hmm. Um, but Dominguez is going on and on about this like I had this mission or I was given this thing I need to do and I'm gonna do it. And um, so it, I think Unaratu is like, all right, now that we've got reinforcements in the form of Lara, we're taking him down for real this time. <laughs> Well, um, she's not wrong. Kind of that woman's a she's a one woman army, Lara. So oh, like, she is. I like mean, that's the thing I love about these games. Like I know it's a game, it's fiction in real life. The chances of this happening are probably incredibly, incredibly mm -hmm. slim. But mm -hmm. I love that in like all of these games, it's just like hordes of like you know military personnel type people, and it's just Lara's just one woman with like a couple different weapons, and she consistently just like slaughters kicks them. their butts and like yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's great actually. Don't get me I had so much fun. Um especially in those moments of like, you know, we're screaming for we're screaming for her and we'd be like, yes, kind of thing. It's just that pretty much. And we'll there are moments like that in this game too. Uh this game is no exception. Uh, but there's a lot going on here, to be honest, because when she goes to because uh because um Edsley is uh in, in, she does go to find the box but it ends up finding a key instead and while she's doing this Edsley who is the who is Unaratu's son has been taken prisoner by Amaru's guards basically <laughs> and what she find what they find out is that the key is um basically uh the the the, the, the box may be be maybe kept in the barracks where another temple is basically and they do find they do hatch a plan to get Edsley out while Lara looks for all of the while Lara looks for a clue and it does happen, but the problem is Unaratu gets captured. And mm -hmm. it's not. It's it, it it it's it's something that Unaratu was kind of 
like she kind of knew that this might happen i feel like but she was like i want my son to be a get out of this i don't want him involved in this just yet just yet this is too much if he's safe i don't care what happens to me kind of deal and lara's also like you know what okay fine we, we, that, that's pretty much what ends up happening there because again there's so much going on here at this point to be honest but let's also talk about who we find while looking for the box in this area because hey the first game had the oni the second game <laughs> had the deathless ones of course the third game had to have something so let's talk about the issue yeah they're definitely i think uh they're i feel like they're probably i don't know how to put this um <laughs> the the most fun of the three if that makes any sense to like what? encounter they scared the shit out of me the first time i saw them <laughs> i was like the first time i saw them i was like is this game just going full into like zombies now like what's going on That's, they're not zombies uh, um, they're not exactly I mean, zombies though like yeah you're right about that let's put it this way the oni and the deathless ones don't do anything other than try and kill lara mm -hmm. the issue at least you know they may have been hostile at first but mm -hmm. um they they kind of stopped the trying to kill her on site thing relatively quickly <laughs> So like that was nice, not mm -hmm. having to like deal with them trying to kill her every two seconds at some point in the game. But um, yeah, no, encountering them for the first time was definitely an experience because it's mm. it's not really like a jump scare thing. It's but I not, don't think you but it's it. And yeah, exactly when you see, like things crawling around in the dark. It's like, all right, what is that? Like, what what's gonna come at me? Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you know me, but... guys, I do not do well with that kind of stuff. It like it <laughs> creeps the shit out of me. And like, yeah, I I think. If I didn't know, like, if there weren't cues, I'd probably be, like, really scared. Or, mm -hmm. like, I would probably jump when those things happen. But I think, mm -hmm. like, if you hear, like, the music build up. You do, you do. Or, like, it, like, gets, like, creepier. And, yeah. like, you know, something just, like, You get the vibe. And, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you then it's, the like, vibe. all right, something's coming. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> so, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely an experience encountering them for the first time. <laughs> yeah. They're... they're, they're probably the most interesting of the three i would think because mm -hmm. like they're not quite dead but they're not quite alive either they're just like uh, exactly. ancient or like long living beings that are just like they're protectors and like they're not really um i think the way unarata describes them is like they don't really attack the city but it's not quite like they're protecting it a hundred percent either mm. like they just kind of do their own thing and it's like we don't and bother them they don't bother are, us and it's yeah like, basically that yeah exactly yeah true Whew, oh my god yeah i that was intense like honestly yeah um and basically she has to go through them to find the chamber that the box is in but we find out that the box is gone because because amaru is questioning unorato and he's asking her to join him which she's like no i'm not gonna do it your your methods are crazy dude what you're gonna do is basically going to destroy Paititi anyway. Uh, so, no, I'm not going to join you. The best thing we can do is find the box and, you know, make uh, do the ritual that basically, you know, renews the sun. That's what will keep Paititi alive, is what she mm -hmm. says. He doesn't believe that. 
And yeah. What do you think of I'm, that? Because both sides have a very interesting point. Um Yeah, I mean I think the only real argument that Amaru makes is that like they can't open the place up to like the modern world because mm. then, you know, they'd just be taken advantage of and they've spent all this time like which the, which protecting them. Which he isn't wrong about. Mm-hmm. Right. But like also, I mean, the thing that like I mean, Unaratu has a point too. Like, this is mm-hmm. like kind of nonsense in the in a sense, like in a way to like say you're gonna go with it, like go through the symbolic ritual and then you know cause all the stuff to happen and then remake the world in your image. And I think like she tells Lara, like if he gets the opportunity, he'll just remake the world in his image, and only mm-hmm. the only people that he deems worthy or like whatever we'll, are gonna we'll be around. Be alive. We'll to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. And like they'll be the only ones that can reap the benefits. So it's not like he's gonna like cure anything or like mm. do much beyond just like reshaping the world to like suit mm. his needs. Mm-hmm. But um there is a really interesting bit where he's like he's when he's trying to convince Unaratu where he's like, if you want power, I'll give you power. Like once this is done, I'll give you control of Trinity if that's what you want. And it's like yeah. she already has power. Like I don't like she's already the leader of the people here. I don't really know what you think she needs. Yeah. Beyond that, like she and she doesn't strike me as like a particularly power hungry person anyway. She so isn't. Like, that's that's why she completely refuses. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's a really weird thing to like dangle in front of her. Like here's this thing that you don't really want, but it can mm-hmm. be yours if you join me. And it's like, yeah, that argument's gonna work. Exactly, dude. It's not. Ugh, God, it's frustrating <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But Lara does manage to rescue Unaratu. Uh, but she does uh not but and Unaratu see feels like she's lost all hope because the box is gone. Right? Because Dominguez basically uh, Amaru just says, Yeah, the box is gone. It was taken by a missionary priest like centuries ago. It's not here anymore. So there's no there's nothing we can do at this point. So unless you know where it is, uh, there's nothing we can do. And that's why she seems hopeless when Lara comes in to rescue her. But Lara comes in with a clue because she's noticed something, tattoos on her arm, on Unaratu's arm. And that basically gives her hope. Um, It gives Unaratu hope saying, Oh, so you found something. All right. Then you have to, these tattoos are in, uh, are paying homage to the last true emperor of Paititi. That's where, it, to, it, to his, uh, to uh, maybe there's something in his shrine that would make more sense or something like that. So that's exactly where they have to go. But unfortunately, in the attempt to storm that place, Unaratu dies, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. And it was like, it always happens like when you're getting attached to them, which is like yeah. the worst part. Mm-hmm. But um, that scene is also just really interesting because I think like most of the game, it's like Lara and Amaru trading off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah it's like at different in like instances one is always kind of like one step ahead of the other and i mm. think 
um, with this last piece of information that the box was taken um, centuries ago by a missionary, it seems like, all right, great, we're back to square one. We have no clues beyond that. Yeah. And like, where are we going to go from here type thing? But Lara mm-hmm. notices that, like, from the tattoos on Unarachi's arm, that there's actually more information mm-hmm. than maybe even Amaru is aware of. And so yep. we get, like, this kind of. I don't want to say it's the last piece of the puzzle, but it's an important mm-hmm. piece um, because I think Amaru just thinks that like having the box and the dagger is enough and like it's going to stop the, the yeah and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, Lara learns that instead of like just taking Kukulkan's power, the ritual is really like a symbolic sacrifice, which is like sacrificing drawn- Kukulkan basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a symbolic sacrifice that is then stopping the cleansing and then restoring i guess natural harmony or mm-hmm. to the region mm-hmm. um but yeah. amaru doesn't know this or that's what they assume so he no i don't think he knows that yeah you're right about yeah. that mm-hmm. um so when they go to try and find the box um or, or when they go to to storm the the last emperor's tomb mm-hmm. to get more information they're thinking like chances are Amaru won't even know where to look for the the box and, and he won't know what to do even if he does get the box so it's like they're kind of a little bit ahead now just marginally yeah yeah teeny tiny bit but um like you said unfortunately in the attempt to get to the emperor's tomb um Unaratu ends up being killed by commander Rourke who is yep. literally like just the a biggest douchebag. thorn in Lara's side mm-hmm. yeah that too <laughs> Um, and um, Lara unfortunately has to go back to Epsley and um, kind of not really give him his mother's body, but like her, I think she has like a talisman or something. Ta- that, yeah, she does. Um, she, does. She, she says it's like now he's because he's the rightful leader and she makes Lara promise to kind of finish her mission and like mm. take up what she was supposed to do. Yeah. So it's like a passing of the torch kind of thing. <laughs> unfortunately yes and they and they because the clue leads somewhere else they have to leave on a boat but Rourke being a little shit destroys that boat and this separates Jonah and Lara what can I say about this scene at this point epic but right kind of sad at first. but like it is sad at first but like honestly it is so epic but i i just it's mm, the kind of yeah, it, it's it, like yeah dude i think it's, it's one of the most like intense sequences from like mm-hmm. like a playing standpoint because like, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on you got to be quick you got to take down all these coups yeah and, yeah like, avoid all these like projectiles and explosives and like all sorts of things and i mean it's a two murder game i feel like that happens <laughs> but true, um true. this one especially i mean they're it's literally like lara and Jonah are on a wooden boat just paddling down a river like very yep. like calmly discussing the next clue and, or something yeah they're just trying to find out what's going on next yeah yeah, they're literally taken out by like a sniper helicopter type thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like a military grade helicopter that's like firing at them. Mm-hmm. And when they're separated, Lara goes like on a little killing spree trying to take out goons. And but let, starts yeah. talking to her through her radio. And he's like, Oh, you've Jonas been listening dead. to me, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. 
yeah and yeah he drops that bombshell of like jonah's dead mm. um because i think or no i think that comes slightly later but initially a little bit Mara is like calling for jonah he's looking he comes for through on the jonah. radio mm-hmm. and then she tells him like get off this channel because trinity's yeah. monitoring it and, and i'll like, come find you yeah yeah. He's like, yeah 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 and then a few minutes later that's when like work comes through and when Lara's like calling for Jonah and he's like oh Jonah's not gonna answer he's dead oh my <laughs> and god and let's I talk about where point. they are at this point it's an oil refinery okay it's like an oil rig basically oh my god yes yeah, she tears through all of them and it's just the the way she's like the she she she's just done with this she's and when one of those guys comes to her she's like don't try me don't just don't try me right now it's just i think too it's really cool about like that sequence is even though it's like a, a pretty brief moment there is like a a small sort of scene where it's like lara just doing hand-to-hand combat and it's like she's got skills and it's a shame that like the games don't really let her use them but also yeah. having said that it's a ton of fun to like find trinity thugs and like i would never endorse this in real life but like no. You know, in a fictional game, it's fun to find those goons and take them out. <laughs> right? But, 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 the coolest scene in this game comes here. Scene, anyway. <laughs> no, I agree. Because she's like, she's she's fallen into the water off of this dizzying height, right? In this rig. And then she's, and then she hears all these voices talking about talking about why she should survive why she has to go on why and then she hears jonah's voice everything i love in this everything i love about this world is here it's in it and then she just opens her eyes and then you see her rise out of the water with flames behind you just see her silhouette okay it's like the coolest thing i'm like this is too good it's just too good okay i can't i can't it's too cool you know that that scene was really epic and especially too because i think like at that point like mar has lost a lot like not mm-hmm. just in that like in this one game but like mm-hmm. just in general like even in the first game like she loses so many people in such a short span of time and then mm-hmm. like of course in rise too like there's more people that she gets close to who die in this game too like she just like loses unaratu pretty recently yep, yep, and then yep. now here's work telling her that like her best friend jonah is dead and that exactly. he killed him and he's like taunting her he's like oh i should have like taken you out when i had the chance but i didn't mm-hmm. and like um i think she's just like at her limit and so like she is just, holy like, shit out of the water in that scene and mm-hmm. it's just like like you said it's like her silhouette and then just like flames in the background and the way she just like gets out of the water and kills the first guy she sees and then it, it's just like very like methodical precise i don't know there's it something is. like incredibly she knows like, exactly cool what it. to do in that moment she's like you know what i'm gonna make this hurt yes yeah. i love and it again, like never, again ever, ever don't do this in, in real life. life but in the fictional but, like, game where you get to do this to fictional pixelated characters it is a whole lot of fun okay <laughs> just say I, mean, I feel like i'm sure for her it, like it was just like satisfying mm-hmm. i mean not satisfying like i think it was just like 
she just you took jonah from me i'm gonna take everything from you bye <laughs> yeah like kind of like that because like she really was i think at her limit at that point and like work was just not helping he was just making it worse by being mm-hmm. like oh look at me i should have taken you on the first time but i didn't but i'm gonna fix that now and it's just like <laughs> um and i think doesn't this happen too like after uh dominguez admits that like like they have a confrontation and he admits that he was the one or like not admits, no 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 be- no that's later they that's haven't later. found the box yet they haven't oh, found yeah, the box yeah, yet right. yeah i'm sorry i'm confusing scenes never mind that's yeah no up. that's later but that's even worse we'll talk about that yeah. that's even worse we'll talk about that but she basically tears through Rourke's guards so quickly that he has, he probably shat his pants and ran. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He tore through his guys, men so fast that he literally shat his pants and ran elsewhere. So that you so that he wouldn't have to face her. Because let's be real, if she saw <laughs> that's it. But she does yeah, no. she does take care of all these guys, but Jonah, God, thankfully Jonah's alive. And then she just she just starts crying and then she hugs him and then it's like it's just I, that scene. It it gets to me because she just she thought he was gone. And then it's just yeah, it's it, it's, uh, it's a very wholesome season. My thing is like the question I always have is, what the hell was work doing? Right. Like, one thing to claim that yeah, your friend is dead. It's another thing to like not have the said friend and like mm-hmm. not actually try and kill him or like God knows what. Like, yeah. what did he think the, was going to happen? That, like, you just you just made her angry. Like, you just gave her purpose to kill you. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like the thing I never understood was like why he didn't actually have Jonah with him. Like, I mean, yeah. in the sense like if he was hoping to get something out of Lara, like whether mm. it was a reaction or mm. like whatever, why would you make a statement and then like that only served to fuel her anger? But you do yeah. okay. And if there's one <laughs> thing you know about Lara, you do not want her angry because when she's angry, you are dead. You you you're dead. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like, mean, like and I was like, just saying that basically she tore through his guys so fast that he literally shat his pants and ran elsewhere honestly <laughs> I yeah i mean probably but like that's the thing i never understood because like he was like yeah jonah is dead i killed him but jonah walks out like almost completely unharmed and it's he like does. why would you say that if you don't mm-hmm. have jonah and then literally he can do that like he can just walk out and be like hi lara i'm fine i'm okay mm-hmm. and it's like what were you hoping like i think maybe work thought like he would say that and then lara would just have like that oh my god i've lost him moment and just like fall to her knees and then people could You're just right. and, like kill her but it's like that's not i don't think she's ever been that person i don't think she would start no matter anything, how much jonah means to her. her like dude exactly what did I you think, just do yeah she would you it know? would give her like an adrenaline kick and it would just like i think the rage like you said would fuel her mm-hmm. and like it does and it did she, to be honest let's not lie i mean she she takes out a good chunk of those like goons before work is like all right <laughs> have you seen like that meme that's I'm like out. <laughs> It's like that's the shit I'm out. <laughs> it's like a like a it's like a little meme thing that's like, yeah, or like, I know what like a little little song like thing that's like 
put on top of memes. I'm very bad mm-hmm. at explaining things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that's it's literally like that. That that was out by <laughs> And it's like, oh, oh my god, my dude, god. like you just you just you did not help your case fall there. But um yeah, because... that that never made sense to me. But I'm so glad that Jonah's alive because I remember playing that yeah. sequence thinking, like, oh my god, if he really did like follow through with this, if he touched Jonah, he's, he's hit on a plate. He's dead. <laughs> He did. Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, Jonah's alive. And Jonah's basically... Okay, this scene is another good example of why Jonah's the best person to be there in this situation. Because Lara's, like, angry and distraught at the same time. And she's like, I keep making everything worse. And then, and then Jonah keeps goading her about the next clue. No, you're not making things worse. We have to solve this. Now is the time to solve this. And I love how, again, props to Camilla Luddington here. Because the way she said this, it breaks your heart. She's like, I don't know, Jonah. I don't know what's going on right now. You know, it breaks your heart when she says that. Because, like... Yeah, but I love that, like, even though, like, one of the things I really kind of admired about Lara and Jonah in this Mm -hmm. game, um, and I mean, even the other games, too, but this game especially, I think, is that, like, they're kind of, like... They hit a lot of roadblocks, but even though they hit, they hit these roadblocks, yeah. it's like there's always like something, like one other thing that maybe like they've overlooked before that like kind of then they're like, oh wait, here's this other thing that we could potentially mm. follow, and like mm-hmm. yeah, it might be a wild goose chase, but we're still gonna try it anyway because like yeah. calling it quits it's not an option it is so, like, yes. i love that and even yes. in this one it's like watching that scene yeah it is really moving because it's like yeah they don't really know where they're going to go next and it's like they're kind of spent like they've been through all this and like they've mm. already lost you know really important people mm-hmm. but um this just kind of seems like a roadblock that they can't really get over mm-hmm. and then jonah's like like you said kind of like all right let's focus on the clues you said something about a silver chalice and yeah. was like well, that's not very mayan and then all of a sudden she's got like this tube light of like oh my god it's not mayan lopez who was the last person who was known to have the box was a missionary a so jesuit priest cat mm-hmm. so basically if it could be any church yeah. Right. And then Lara's like, well, there's only a handful that are walking distance from here. So, mm-hmm. or only one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And so they they end up going to back to Kuwa again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they've guessed the correct location of the box mm-hmm. and then they're able to follow a series of clues to the box. Yep. And it's it's like you know you guys know what you like you you know this stuff like you're doing it the right way if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. Um, you're on the right path at least that's what we can say about this yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 certainly i think being more respectful about it than like trinity Mm -hmm. who's just like going into places like bulldozing things and like clearing sites and like excavating and like Mm -hmm. you know lara and jonah are like going into ruins and like yeah they might break some stuff which is unfortunate but like they don't go in for the sake of breaking stuff and like they're not tearing down the rainforest trying to find all these places so it's marginally better um it is yeah yeah, i mean them finding the box is like a really cool scene unfortunately trinity is also kind of lazy and or maybe clever but i feel like it's giving them too much credit Mm. and so then they end up finding Lara and Jonah and Lara kind of has a difficult decision to make but I think in her like from her point of view it's a fairly easy decision because in the process of getting the box 
she and Jonah are separated. Um, and, you know, because, like, the whole place is booby-trapped and yep. they have to go through, like, a series of, like, mini trials yep. left by Lopez just yep. to get yep. the box. Yep. Mm-hmm. Once they have it, it's like there's one final booby-trap type thing. So she and Jonah are separated in that. And then Trinity comes in and they kind of use Jonah as bait. bait. And they're like, yep. well, yep. we want the box and this is what we're going to do to get it. And Laura, being the same person in the room, is like, fine, he's not you know, he's worth more than the box and there's probably another way to get the box. Mm-hmm. And then Jonah, bless him, is... He's like, Laura, don't um, do it. And then Laura's just like, I've lost too many people. I'm not losing you. So, no. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's very wholesome. But also, I think it's, again, a very moving scene because, mm-hmm. again, not just in this game, but in all the other games too, she's unfortunately lost a lot of people. Mm. And um, it's it's tough when you lose that many people close to you, especially people who she considered like her mentors and like father figures like Roth and Grimm and then like Alex in the first game and like Jacob in the second game. And like, yeah, it's, it's hard. It but, is. Um, I think for her, that's why making this trade off is easier now because she's mm-hmm. like, it's a no brainer for me. Like, of course I'm going to trade the box for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, she does like one and final. And it's Jonah. Like, Come on, it's I Jonah. Know, know. Yeah, she has like one final attempt of like trying to convince Dominguez, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. Like, yeah, maybe we can like talk some sense into you yet. But um, Dominguez was like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. Like, your father was going to expose us to the world, and like he wanted that too. And then like the more he talks, I think the more Lara realizes that like. She's ordered a hit on her dad, basically. Yeah, and I think she's always suspected that something about her her dad's death just Mm. didn't quite add up because yes, he seemed like pretty stressed, but maybe not like that stressed or like to the point of taking his own life. And then after the second game, there's confirmation that like somebody within Trinity ordered the hit, but now she has proof. And I love that scene where like she and Dominguez are arguing about it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what is one man to the world type thing? And she's like, but to an eight-year-old girl, like my parents were my world or whatever. And he's like And it's true. Yeah. And he just keeps like brushing the point off like, oh, there's other families. You're not the only one in the world. And it's like, yeah, but also at that time, she was a child. And like, like she said, her parents were her world. So like, I think both statements can be true. It's just the thing mm. I think he just wasn't getting. He wasn't. <laughs> like, yes, exposing Paititi could have been dangerous. But also you're talking about orphaning a very young girl who had really no part in what her father was trying to do yet mm. um and um yeah i don't know it, it was just that scene as kind of hard as it was to watch when you see like lara realize exactly what, what happened with her dad yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. it was still a really cool scene just to see them kind of like arguing and lara being like no that was my world and like you don't mm-hmm. get to say that just because i we're one random family from like a random place outside of your home that we were so much of a threat that like or her dad was so much of a threat that he could just be like taken out eliminated and, yeah um, exactly yeah so um yeah. it was a really really uh I think moving scene <laughs> that makes any sense. For no, it was, but then Dominguez does uh, even uh, they try to they, Jonah does try to pull a move to get away with the box, but it doesn't work. Unfortunately, he's so close though. He's yeah, so close. He he's does very like close. he does get the box, and he and Laura like they have to split up 
and and yeah. Laura takes down most of the Trinity goons mm-hmm. to to get to him, yeah. and the the last bit is like John is like minute. yeah yeah he he like radios Laura he's like Laura I, I I'm on a plane I found a pilot and then as soon as Laura gets there it's like Dominguez is on the plane and mm. um Jonah Jonah takes a hit in the sense he's pushed from like this helicopter mm. and it's not as high as maybe it could have been but it's high enough that I feel like his back should have been out like he should not have been able to mm. walk mm. but somehow he's able to um and um he he survives but Dominguez now has the box and so mm. um they're now kind of in a in a tough position because they had the upper hand and whatever advantage they had they unfortunately lost so mm. yeah so back to square one and back to Paititi we go now at this point yeah <laughs> yeah so much going on at this point in this game, guys. Like, so much going on. So, basically, once they go back to Paititi, uh, Lara's only goal is to get Jonah to safety and basically stop the ritual uh, or stop Amaru from remaking the world in his image. Um, and, again, I love how Etsley is coming into his own here and he uh, he gives Lara a token from his mother's talisman and he's like the eclipse will no longer represent us rid, rid us of it just go just deal with this and and Lara takes that very seriously and she's like okay yeah I'm gonna do it and I, I want it becomes like a symbolic thing too because yeah. like I think one of the consequences of like not going through with this ritual and or not stopping Amaru properly is that like mm. there's just going to be a permanent solar eclipse yeah. Um, and, oh yeah and, like a, a symbolic mm. thing that like I think a couple times like Unarachu mentions it I think once or twice and now Etsley does at this point in the game mm-hmm. like they refer to Lara as like the thing that will remove the shadow mm-hmm. and so that little token I think that he gives her from mm. the um, like talisman, talisman or whatever that yeah. Unaratu gave him mm-hmm. is like it represents the shadow that Lara is supposed to remove. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just it, it's something that like the first time I played the game, I didn't really think a lot about until we got mm. to the end. And I was like, oh, actually, that's pretty cool. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. When the game came out, people made a uh, uh, I remember a lot of people made a point that like it seemed weird that the second game in the franchise was called Rise of the Tomb Raider and that this game is called Shadow of the Tomb Raider but I think yeah. when I played the game and like it made sense it do, yeah it made, it sense. made sense it made so, sense um yeah I don't know just I, I, I thought that was really interesting yeah I agree but again oh my god I want to talk about this journey to where the uh ritual is happening because she meets the Yashil again here and she also meets a very special being here, right? <laughs> Something you didn't expect. You see this being once when she's trying to get to the box, right? But <laughs> now you see this being again and you're like, who is this? And then, like, why? what's going on here? Because you find out that the Yashil are guardians of this uh, of this of the box and the dagger and they're just trying to make sure that everything is done correctly and they're supposed to be the ones handling this but 
what you see is this being that you see is actually Shakshel, one of the beings that forged the dagger in the box. And this being declares Lara as Ishel, and she's like, that's you. You have to deal with this. And she sends the Yashil with Lara to destroy Trinity's goods, which I love. It's so satisfying. It is. But yeah, I, th- I think I don't think that she says Lara is Ishel. I think when they meet mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I think Shakshal introduces herself or like she mm-hmm. points herself and says like that's who she is. Mm-hmm. And then I think Lara takes on that the role in- of yes. Ishel. Yeah, because yeah, I think that's yeah. what Unaratu would have been. They're actually right, twins. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. It, it, and, you're right. Unaratu's role was to be Ishel and sacrifice herself. That's what she thought yes yeah and so i think lara takes that role on and she's like because unaratu's not there anymore so i think she's now taking on that position and i think once shakshal realizes that she's like all right okay now we got a plan yeah Uh, lara's just kind of like i have some idea what's going on not a complete idea but i love that she just rolls with it because what is she going to do in front Mm -hmm. of this being who's like who knows how old and um clearly has accepted that she's now this other half of like this duo Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) Um, but that i thought that scene was really cool because um i don't know it just it felt very like symbolic and like important that lara had finally come to terms with like okay this is my role in all of this now this is what i do yeah and like I don't know. There's, just no, there's there's another scene that actually solidifies this better than anything, and I'll talk about and we'll talk about it in a bit. <laughs> but let's talk about the most frustrating boss fight of all time. Oh my god, I hated it! I hated it. It was <laughs> so frustrating. Also, another frustrating thing: Lara didn't get to kill Rourke herself that genuinely made me upset i was like for Mm -hmm. everything that he put her through it's like because i think i'm not it might have been here where he reveals that in the end of rise he was telling her to take her out too but he didn't because dominguez told him not to Mm -hmm. but then he's like but i'm gonna fix that now i'm gonna take you out now and it's like for everything he's put her through like it would have been really satisfying just to see like just to see him go or like to wipe the smirk off his face but exactly. the Yashil do that. So yeah, it's like, and the Yashil are like, bye. Yeah, but I do love that it's it's just like a it's like a moment where he's like, I'm out of ammo, requesting backup type thing, and he's like yeah. all alone, cut off from like his people, and it's like, well, without your you know military weapons and whatnot, you're just a regular guy who can't fight for his life, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so even if, if Lara doesn't get to take him out, it was nice to see that like the Yashil gave him what he deserved he they did they did i just again i just wish that lara was there to finish the job herself but that's a different story right okay. oh no it would have been i feel very satisfying to have lara <laughs> be the one to do it but, but let's talk about it, the frustrating could... boss fight because holy shit i mm, it was very frustrating I, i'm gonna actually disagree on that one really i found this one marginally easier than the boss fight and rise just because oh, oh, the helicopter and dude, the trebuchet yeah. thing just that was insane. i just could not get I it agree. to work it just no, my timing was always off i just yeah, no, no, no. it took me so long to do that i, I was like rage quitting every time mm-hmm. i did it and i think mm-hmm. i came very close to just like passing that game off and being like somebody else do this for me this game it was a little bit better because there's no helicopter and like yeah there was a lot of crazy stuff going on but i mm-hmm. Feel like it was more contained or a, 
I don't know a little it, bit but like you weren't battling like or you didn't have to worry about like six million different things it wasn't things. a moving like, target I mean, it was a moving target in, sort in, of he, he follows you around mm-hmm. but like it just felt easier in the sense to get to Amaru you just had to like take out some trinity thugs those, and those four pillars I think yeah. Uh, I think yeah yeah you just like breaks them like those were easy because you just you know you whack them with your climbing axe the way you mm-hmm. do with like walls yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. and then he would just chase you around and you shoot him but I think if you time it right his like after absorbing the power of the sun he would like explode for a bit yeah and, and that's when you attack yeah exactly <laughs> and so like it became like a pattern and like once you figured that out it was fairly straightforward mm. in rise it was like you had to worry about trinity thug shooting you constantly mm. constantine in a helicopter i think trying to like shoot you as well and then you had it to like, was, with sophia and the resistance fighters to like launch like projectiles from those trebuchets to like knocking at the helicopter and, yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it was like it was fun after you finished it <laughs> and i definitely felt like i accomplished something afterwards mm. but like during that whole fight i was like on the edge of my seat screaming at my tv like, <laughs> no, just it. work with me i get it i get second. it i get it I get it. so for me this boss fight i found to be just a little bit easier um, and I feel like I definitely like I was still screaming at my TV, I'm sure, but not quite with the same intensity <laughs> as I was when I was. I kind of understand what you're saying here, but again, after this is when you get the best scenes in the game. One of the best scenes in the <laughs> game, to be honest. But I also find it interesting that Amaru's message was like protect Paititi. That's all he says. <laughs> And then that, and this is when the scene, uh, this is when Lara realizes that the sacrifice basically means her taking Unaratu's place and sacrificing herself to the, so that, so that a Kukulkan can be sacrificed and the shadow is removed. But what, the scene that comes here it reminds me of one single line from Valhalla where Eivor is just like everything else. That's all <laughs> I get here. And it's so moving. And this is just the same way because you see, because Lara remembers a happier time where everything's okay. Her dad's, it's it's a version where they're all happy. Not a happier time, yeah. exactly. That's the thing I think I didn't catch the first time I played the game. Yeah. I thought it, like she was going back and seeing memories, but I think because Unarachi says, like, the Crimson Fire will, will hold me you. to my promise. Yeah, yeah it, should the it, box it, tempt the box me and my training you. fails. And yeah. so I think, like, the box yeah. was showing her her ideal, like, what her ideal life would have been had it yeah. not played out the way it did. Yeah. And yeah. so she sees that. And it's, like you said, it is a really moving scene where, you know, mm-hmm. she goes back, she sees her mom, she sees her dad, mm-hmm. they're together, they're happy. And then she's, like, they're looking at them kind of wistfully. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then I love that she's just, like, staring at them and then she's, like, goodbye, mom, goodbye, dad. And then you just see her turn around and walk away because, yeah. like, she knows that like i think at this point especially Mm. you know after everything she's been through that as much as she wants this this is not something that she can have because the cost is too great um but it is also like you said very reminiscent of that scene in valhalla Mm. where odin is like yelling at Eivor like with me you can have power and glory wisdom yeah. what else could you want and she's just like everything, everything else, else like I love that's not that everything scene. I know oh my god like, yeah I mean like yes. Odin has all those things but he's got like no family no friends he just like exists in like the super bleak realm with like nothing mm. to do but just be his like 
annoying yeah. self and it's like who mm. wants that like I mean, and, and on the other like side that. she has her family her friends her tr- her people her parents <laughs> it's just that's why she's like yeah. i don't need all this i need everything everything else no you can't offer me all of that no so, yeah. like, and i think like it's it's a very similar thing for lara too yeah. like yes it would have been great for her to have that life but that's mm-hmm. it's just a fantasy or it's like a mm-hmm. dream it's not mm-hmm. what the real like that's not what reality is and mm-hmm. as much as she wishes she could have that i think she's also realized that like jonah says everything that she loves about the world exactly. is exactly in it now and it's just as worth saving um as you know her ideal world would have been yes. so i love that scene it's where beautiful. she's just like oh my yeah, god she just, just like kind of does like a final farewell and then yeah. returns to the actual world and i and think the that's altar when also... and then and then shakshel <laughs> is basically like you think that she's going to die you think lara is going to die but what shakshel does is use the dagger to basically remove kukulkan's spirit from yeah, lara it's like because a, she's like a become a conduit sacrifice. Yeah, yeah exactly so and it's like yeah it's drawing like the, the dagger i think just takes the power but yeah. obviously lara survives which is not nice. yeah because nice. like i remember playing it the first time and being like no she can't die I'm yeah exactly exactly <laughs> like that meme like don't take away my comfort character your comfort character is like an incredibly traumatized <laughs> whatever <laughs> i definitely felt that the first time i played this game right? I was like, no i don't want her to die and then it's like mm, she's okay <laughs> she's okay oh god see this is what i mean this room keeps giving us heart attacks okay i know like <laughs> she really does but like in the best way because yeah, like right. i mean i'm never gonna do a fraction of the things she does in real life but i can live oh. vicariously through her in her you know fictional adventures so mm. it's great it is but great. i'm never gonna go fight a jaguar i have no desire to fight a jaguar but through mm-hmm. her now i can <laughs> like, i'm, I'm living vicariously through her that's all i can right? say <laughs> But the good thing is that uh, Jonah, uh, after all of this, Jonah and Abby are a thing, apparently, which apparently. is nice. Which is nice. And Edsley's, Edsley's like questioning, hey, Lara told me about your girlfriend. What? I'll come to your I wedding. Wait, like, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> Jonah's like, well, let's slow down there, buddy. And Edsley's yeah. like, yeah, wedding? <laughs> And then I love how Lara's like, I'm going to stay here and slow down for a bit. You know, like, I, I'm done searching. And I love the very last scene in this game, too, where she's back at Croft Manor, not at some apartment. She's back at Croft Manor. And she has Winston, who is like... Yeah, she's, just, she's like spruced up the place a bit. Yeah, she spruced up the place a bit. And she's literally writing to Jonah saying, like, for now, I'm just going to slow down for a little bit take in what i have and what comes next will happen which is so yeah i also i also love that she does say a line about like how she's realized that like all the world's secrets and mysteries are not there to be solved sometimes they're just there to like exist and be protected and like that's gonna be her new role now yeah that's awesome yeah because i think she's kind of like in a way in her own sort of way sort of like towing that line but Mm. now she's kind of like embraced it she's like yeah not everything maybe needs to be solved and i'm okay with like leaving things mysteries and Mm. i'm okay with protecting things and it's like that's um, her job now yeah yeah i think it's like a it's like a like a good full circle moment 
because like there's that bit in rise where like jacob is like kind of like interrogating her he's like well what's the mm. like why would you want to expose the divine source to the world and Mara's like well imagine having like the ability to like cure sickness and like you know do all these like, amazing everybody things. yeah exactly he's like yeah that sounds great on paper but and i think like mm. the, by the end of this game i think she kind of realizes that like he has a point like yeah, yeah. On paper, it sounds great but like you know it's it's not it, it, it like there, there can't be a shortcut to that sort of thing and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the divine source or even in in this game like you know remaking the world sounds and it's kind of like a shortcut so um i definitely liked her kind of having that full circle moment so it was a nice it was beautiful it was beautiful i feel like and i i want to say this because as i love the story for this game it's a beautiful story but i think the skill tree and some of the gameplay mechanics soured it for me what do you think of that I think gameplay mechanics I was okay with. The skill tree absolutely made no sense to me. And somebody who's like not super into like, I don't go into like plans. Like I know some people are like very like passionate gamers and like Mm. they have things planned and like, you know, there's this whole like, you know, way that they do things. I remember the first time I played the the first game, our our mutual friend who kind of in a way got us into this this franchise um, was like very helpful, gave us all these tips and was like, do it this way, get the skill first, do that first. And it ended up really being helpful. Two games that helped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the second game was nice too because, like, we all played it at the same time. So, like, or I think he and I played it at the same time. I think you played a little bit after. A little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, it was nice because, like, we were playing it together. So it was like we were learning together. But also, I feel like I could use whatever I learned from the first game and apply it to the second game. This Mm. game, it was like the skill points were easier to get. But it was also like the skill trade made no sense. So I was just arbitrarily choosing things. I was like, I don't care what I get as long as I just spend these stupid points so I don't get the reminder. No, that's um, I, true I just, it, because like, the skills didn't I don't know apply to the game. But also, having yeah. said that, like like we said before, this is the game that I've played the least. So now I am yeah. curious, like if I go back and replay it, will it make more sense now that I kind of know what some of the things are? But you I think gameplay wise, like um, mm. I didn't I didn't mind it. Um, there were some new features like I love the fear arrows. Those were like the berserk darts. Oh my god, yes, that was, that was perfect. Great. Um, I liked the new like rope feature thing that she did, mm-hmm. like a rope kill. I forget mm-hmm. what the actual term is called, but like she would like she would be able to kill people. Kill. Like, yeah, yeah, that was I think cool. In the and then like repelling rope darts, but I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the repelling too was also really cool, although that did take some getting used to. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the skill tree was just like the big gripe that I had with the game, and all things considered, it's kind of a minor thing because I don't think just arbitrarily choosing skills really affected my playthrough like i like looked at some stuff and i was like maybe i'll go for this maybe i'll go for that just pick something and it was like i survived i made it to the end yep but yeah i mean overall this game was just it was so much fun to play i think we loved mostly everything about it minus mm. the skill tree which was just kind of weird and yeah oddly designed but like the music i will say that i feel like this game had the best soundtrack out of all of right things. Um, yeah, I, there was just like I don't get me wrong. I loved all the other soundtracks, I especially just, some moments about, in Paititi. You know, it was so beautiful. Yeah, it was, the thing I appreciated, which is 
not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I feel like in this game, all the tracks sounded pretty different, and there was, like, a lot of variety in them, whereas I feel like in Rise, I love the soundtrack for Rise. I still listen to it fairly regularly, but I feel like the tracks, there's all, like, a, like a certain, like, theme or motif, which is, like, I think, like, the main theme that plays in a lot of them, they all end up sounding very similar. Um, and the, the motif. So, I know it's um, motif you mean. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not head. bad. I just, I think it, like, that motif it just tends to get a little bit overused in my opinion but my opinion is like another watch, track so. in another franchise that our yeah. mutual friend keeps explaining uh, talking about but yeah you know what yeah, that's for so. another time um but i mean no I, it just like i think this game has like stellar music great graphics yeah. a really fun story um mm-hmm. and again i mean like Camilla Luddington knocked it out of the park this time. Yeah. I mean, oh she does God. every time, yes. I think, as Lara. So, like, it I does. will happily take, like, a million more Tomb Raider games if Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix can, like, put and them get out. get Camilla. Like, get Camilla yeah. for her, please. She's awesome. Um, yeah, so I absolutely loved it. But um, this is, for now, the last Tomb Raider game, which means next week we are not going to be too- doing Tomb Raider <laughs> or okay actually yeah we're actually going back to movies and we're doing something that we've already done um but with a twist Mm -hmm. um so obviously sony and or marvel or both technically um re-released no way home with um extra footage and so it was totally a cash grab we're all aware of that Mm -hmm. but we did see the extended edition and so we're revisiting no way home next week to talk about the more fun stuff version which is more like a lot of people yeah (laughs) have pointed out it's it's like false advertising there's not a lot of fun yeah it's just more pain and like heartache because wow, do these characters go through some things? <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we'll be back with that next week. But as always, we say this all the time, but it's, I don't think it'll ever not be true, but we really do appreciate anybody and everybody who has stuck with us this long and Absolutely. Um, listens to our crazy ramblings and rantings. I don't really know if any of that makes sense by the end, <laughs> but I feel like I say that all the time and, and somehow like everybody like we have listeners who must be saints because they're just listening to our episodes and i'm just always surprised so yeah and um like we said we'll be back next week with no way home extended edition so um stick around i guess if you guys are interested in listening to listening to us rehash that (laughs) absolutely again like Cass said we simply cannot thank you guys enough for sticking with us so come, uh, so stick around for next week's episode as well for No Way Home Extended Edition. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.